Welcome to the Voices of Grambling, a digital oral history podcast, a series exploring the rich, nuanced history of Grambling State University, the city of Grambling, and the people who make it. This series is a collaborative project between students and faculty of the History Department of Grambling State University, as well as faculty from the University of Arkansas. The Voices of Grambling, a digital oral history project, has been made possible in part by a grant from the National Endowment for the Humanities in partnership with the Social Science Research Council. Additional funding was provided by the Louisiana Endowment for the Humanities. Any views, findings, conclusions, or recommendations expressed in this podcast do not necessarily represent those of the National Endowment for the Humanities, the Social Science Research Council, or the Louisiana Endowment for the Humanities. My name is Dr. Edward Holtz. I'm the chair of the history department, and I'm so excited today to be speaking with Len Lewis, longtime member of the Graham Fam community, photographer, member of the journalism department. So, Glenn, thank you so much for coming here today. It's uh, great to be here. For the listeners, for the audience, for our purposes, maybe we could start with a little bit of, of context. You know, where, where you were born, uh, where you grew up, you know, where you went to school. Okay. Uh, I was born in Shreveport and graduated from Bossier High. And from there, I went to Tech and got my bachelor's. And then I went to LSU, uh, working on a master's, got drafted while I was there, <laughs> and then went to Vietnam, came out, worked for the Monroe paper for about a year, and then Grambling hired me. And I've been here since. What brought you uh, to Grambling, or why did you start here at Grambling? Well, my, I majored in journalism at Tech, and my uh, teacher was Pete Dosher. And uh, most of the courses I took were under Pete. Mm -hmm. And uh, I became the editor of the paper and that type of stuff. And uh, he got an offer in 67 to come over to Grambling and start a journalism department. So, I, you know, I was, I was at LSU at the time. And... Uh, and then I went into the Army, and uh, when I finally got out, uh, I worked for the Monroe paper, as I said, for about a year, and Pete called me and said he needed another faculty member. So that's how I got here. <laughs> you started in the journalism department in what year? 1971, 1971. August. Uh, actually, I, when I we were actually part of what was called publications. And Collie Nicholson, who was the guy, the man with the golden pen, he actually put this place on the map with his writings and his promotions and stuff like that. I worked in his office. It was uh, Collie, uh, Carolyn Inslee, Nat Blake, Albert Ford, and P Pete Dozier and Ernie Miles. There were six of us in that building. And that was a combination of all the publicity for the university plus journalism. Can you maybe speak a little bit about those early days of, of the Gremlinite and where the ideas maybe for content came from? Uh, the content, in the, the first year was a learning experience for me. You know, I mainly just taught classes and stuff. The second year, I took over the Gremlinite. It was part of a class. And so uh, they were graded on... Uh, uh, reporters were given beats and stuff 
and they were graded on how many stories they brought in and stuff like that. There was an editor. The editor made the assignments. We didn't make the assignments. You know, If we happened to get information on something in advance, we would normally just give it to the editor, and then the editor would make the assignment. So it was a close-knit group. And the editor was a student? Was a student. They were graded. Uh, you know. Was there ever an instance where maybe somebody from the president's office or maybe a, the provost's office had uh, an opinion about <laughs> what was happening in the Granville night? Yeah, well, this was back in the press days, the R.W.E. Jones days. Yes, we'll be very clear about which, which administration <laughs> we're talking about as we're, we're here. But, yes, but, uh, but I'd love to hear, you know, maybe I, about Pres Jones and his, his yeah, opinion on. Uh, he was great, but I, I can remember this was in the early 70s. Eleanor Rushing was the uh, editor of the Granville night. And she wrote an editorial one time on the cafeteria. And it, it was not real favorable, you know, about the food in the cafeteria. And she got a call in her room uh, from the administration, you know, about that. And uh, Pete Dozier, who was the head of the department, found out about it. And he went over and talked with Prez, and they never did it again. You know, he, he just mentioned, look, we're training journalists here. They've got to, you know, express their opinions. They've got to try to show both sides. And uh, it's just part of their training. And so after that, we really didn't have much trouble with the uh, administration during Prez's regime. Now, he would, about once a month, Prez would always call a dinner meeting, uh, with us and there we go over to his house and it would be like uh rob prez uh hutch major carlton uh, patterson and pete dozier and uh, sometimes hobby and we'd be around the table and i'll never forget there was one time there was one week that i i just knew that prez was going to comment on what was in the grambling night you know and he knew that I loved rice without gravy on it. So he, it's just a round dinner table. And he picks up the rice and says, Mr. Lewis, would you like some rice? And I said, oh, yes, Mr. President. And as soon as I got my hand on it, he jerked it back. <laughs> then I had to lecture. <laughs> so... You know, joining 1971, we know that there was a student protest movement the year after in 72, 73. Mm -hmm. Did you have any experience with that, or did you see anything during oh, yeah. that time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My students were caught right up in it, you know, and some of them, you know, they, they burned the uh, side of the, the Vista side of the old stadium. It was wooden bleachers. They burned all that up. And uh, we had students out taking pictures. And, you know, sometimes it wasn't real healthy for him to do that. But uh, it was just a tough time. And uh, the, all the windows in the cafeteria, those, they were broken out. And uh, I can remember the night they broke the windows out in the cafeteria. That was the night that I had to travel with a football team with Ernie Miles for photography purposes. We left that night and the game was in Hawaii so Pete Dozier was left covering the 
uh, you know, the riots. And, and Kali went with us to Hawaii. And uh, it worked out fine. But uh, according to what I had heard, the students gathered around the old flagpole where the tiger is now in the uh, square. And they were protesting there, and the chief of police came out, and uh, let's just say he broke up the uh, <laughs> the assembly. Nobody was hurt or anything, but uh, the assembly just sort of disappeared. And uh, the leaders were eventually uh, penalized. Some of them were expelled for a certain number of years. But, you know, a lot of them came back. I think Prez understood what was going on. It was just sort of rushing something that uh, he put off a little bit. And so did the students, what, what was your, the students covering it? Sort of how did they respond? Well, that's some of them were caught in between because mm -hmm. some of them were members of organizations that were out, you know, pushing it. And uh, they just realized they were journalists. They had to report it. And they weren't trying to report it unfavorably. They were just trying, you know, to get the list of demands. We had that in the paper, all of that type of stuff. We were, you know, trying to be fair. You mentioned, you know, you were traveling with the team and transitioned more over to the university photographer. Well, my first job here, as I said, I was, I was hired as a journalism teacher. My first project here was doing the basketball brochure. <laughs> I was in the office with Kylie Nicholson, who was the publicist, you know, for sports and regular news. And so that was my, during August, I tried to do the uh, basketball brochure. And then classes were starting in September, and he says, oh, by the way, we need you in New York this weekend. <laughs> and so I said, okay, they wanted me. Ernie was filming the 16 millimeter up up the top and they needed somebody on the ground so i was i went to new york the second month i was at grambling this was the game in yankee stadium it was a total sellout and it was on national television there were so many people at the game that towards the end of the fourth quarter they started coming out of the stadium and they were on the sidelines. So if the quarterback threw the ball and it went out of bounds, good luck with that. <laughs> it was a heck of an experience. <laughs> you, know, you talk about that experience, but you also mentioned the basketball brochure and we were talking uh, before this a little bit about your experiences, you know, with Grambling basketball while you were over at Tech. And Unfortunately, you know, as we're recording this, we just had uh, Willis Reed, famed member mm -hmm. of the Graham fan, pass. And I was wondering if you um, could speak a little bit about, you know, any interactions you might have had with Willis Reed or certainly with, um, you know, the basketball team in that days. Well, you know, I did a lot of the still photography for the basketball team in those days. And uh, Willis would come back every now and then. But, you know, he was mainly a, a New York person, you know. And... Uh, those were the days when, well, when I was going to Tech in the early 60s and Willis Reed was, you know, playing basketball here, things were still sort of segregated. They were working towards integration, but it was a slow process. 
And when I we would come over from Tech to watch the Grambling basketball game, there was a section there that was segregated for white folks. So you had to sit there. But uh, by probably 66, 67, they did away with that. And you could tell things were slowly changing, you know. Then shifting over to the football side, obviously we can't have a conversation without talking about Coach Rob, Eddie Robinson. And I was wondering, you know, what he was like as a person, what it was, he was like to interact. He was great to interact with. I mean, you know, he really appreciated publicity and the press and stuff like that. He was very friendly. Uh, he was just a great person, you know. And he knew how to get the most out of athletes. Really good. Another uh, individual would be uh, Doug Williams. Did you have a chance to have any uh, interaction? I can just remember our first, let's see, that was 70, 74. Doug did not start. He was not the starting quarterback. Uh, Joe Como was the starting quarterback. And they were really – searching for the the starting quarterback because, you know, uh, uh, Reed had been the quarterback 71, 72, 73. Uh, Como was the quarterback, but you could tell they were still trying to find a real, real, you know, exceptional quarterback. And uh, that first year they redshirted Doug. So he just – he was up in the press box doing stats. And the second year – the first game against Northwestern, they played Doug, Brown, and Como in the game, trying to find out, you know, who they really wanted as quarterback. And in the Tennessee State game, Tennessee State broke Como's wrist. And they pulled him off the field. They put Doug in, and he never left the field again. You know, he just, it was his time. Yeah, he was just, when he was in there, you you knew you had a chance. (laughs) Have you had a chance to cover a lot of the the women's sports at Grambling as well? Yeah, well, when I got here, I'm trying to think if, I don't think there were any, well, basketball came, came along. They had had women's sports prior to me coming. But when I arrived, I think all they had was, like, women's track, maybe, which was very, very good. They won SWAC championships and stuff like that. Uh, About 1977 or 78, we went back to having uh, women's sports uh, and and the basketball team and then later the softball team and all that type of stuff. Uh, The basketball teams, women's basketball teams in the 80s were really good. They went to, you know, the NC2A playoffs several times. And uh, then again, probably about four years ago, they they uh, went to the playoffs again. So it's been fun following them. Shifting a little bit away from athletics, one of the things that you would cover would be the convocations that mm-hmm. we have, the various things. And I was wondering, you know, from your time in the 70s to your time today, you know, what you see as some of the, the changes in how we do convocations? 
we don't seem to have as many convocations as, you know, I think COVID had a lot to do with it. Uh, now there's just very limited convocations. It's like we're slowly getting back in, you know, into the grind. But uh, during the 70s and particularly the 80s, there were lots of convocations. And uh, most of them were over in T.H. Harris Auditorium. We did not have uh, the Assembly Center. And uh, well-known speakers, uh, you know, Jesse Jackson, uh, uh, the Roots author, uh, Alex Haley, uh, just a lot of well-known uh, MLK the Third speakers would show up. Yeah, there was always something for my photographers to take pictures of. Why do you think Grambling has that, such an emphasis in that period on convocations? I think they just wanted for the students to experience uh, ideas from these, these speakers. You know, uh, It was an education process. A lot of it came through the Lyceum program, which was based on student fees with student, uh, the student union. And uh, they would bring these uh, speakers and entertainer groups in to just sort of enrich the lives of students. And another, I guess, major university event is when we get to celebrate graduations of students. And so obviously the Assembly Center hasn't uh, always been in place. So I was wondering if you could share a little bit about, you know, graduations and how graduations may have looked in oh, yeah, you know, the it's, 70s or 80s. <clears throat> it's totally changed. When I got here, I don't think we had a summer graduation. The graduations took place in the auditorium. Usually the graduates would form up over at what's now the Eddie Robinson Museum, and the faculty would form up in the administration building, and then they would walk to T.H. Harris. And that was fine in the 70s, but by the 80s, the enrollment started growing again, and the auditorium was not big enough. So they would set up a TV screen type thing in the old men's gym. So the parents and the, you know, the relatives and stuff that couldn't get into the auditorium, they would go over to the old men's gym. And then uh, that got out of hand. I mean, you know, they were filling it up. So then, the, especially for the spring, they finally said, look, we've got to move it to the football stadium. So then they moved the spring convocation to the football stadium. It was hot, but it worked. You know, you talked about a, a processional uh, for the faculty and processional for students. Was there a processional when it was at the football stadium as well? Yeah, there was. I, I'm pretty sure there was. I Yeah, I think they would, but they would just come out of the stadium, I think. There was a section for faculty and mm -hmm. stuff, and they would just sort of, come out or they would march into the stadium I can't remember now I already mentioned one one president Pres Jones but of course we've had other presidents as well in your tenure here I was wondering if you had any memories about uh, you know one of those presidents in in that era like uh, President Johnson yeah uh, Johnson Johnson came in in 77 and uh, we covered his a selection down in Baton Rouge, the Gramlin Knight went down there and covered that and his inauguration. Johnson had a very, very good tenure here. 
but he was working with something that Prez couldn't work with. Prez had to keep the university afloat with his charm and politics and that type of stuff to impress the legislature and stuff like that. He would take turkeys from the farm and they would be Thanksgiving presents for uh, some of the politicians and powerful people. And during the summer, he would take peaches and distribute them uh, to selected individuals because that's the way he had to uh, grow the university. That wasn't the only way, but that, that helped. Johnson, on the other hand, after his first three years, which were pretty trying for him here, because, uh, you know, the, the, it was right in the middle of the big colleges were basically getting a lot of the students that we used to get. So the enrollment was dropping and everything. So it was a challenge for him. And what really helped is when that consent decree kicked in. I think it was about $170 million over, you know, 10-year period or something. I, during that time, the university just totally changed as far as the classroom things the uh, school of nursing was built the business building uh eddie robinson stadium uh, just all types of stuff that really that was a big boost so with the consent decree bolstered the the university in terms of infrastructure but do you can you speak to sort of any other it helped with enrollment too Mm -hmm. because of you know, because of the new programs, the new buildings, and all that type of stuff, the enrollment boomed. You know, we went up to about seven thousand at one time. I, I want to go back to that, uh, the inauguration of of President Johnson. Can you describe what that was like, or what what went on for like what were the festivities that went on sure. with his his inauguration, or maybe a, another, if you remember another president's uh, inauguration? Uh, it, uh, his was. Fairly festive, you know, but it, it was it was just inaugurated. It was in T.H. Harris Auditorium, you know, and uh, they had uh, board members there and all of that type of stuff. And uh, it didn't last that long. It, it, was a, it was a nice inauguration. The only other one I can remember is uh, Horace Judson's inauguration. Now, it was a little more elaborate. I think they had some events before the inauguration and stuff like that. But, you know, the ceremony wasn't that long. It was uh, just a formality. Are are there any events on campus that you covered that really stick out to you uh, over the years? Maybe speakers that came in, sporting events, any of those? We mentioned, you know, the Yankee Stadium. Are there any other sort of memorable events that you... Oh, yeah. I mean, there's been tons of those. Uh, Of course, you know, the Clinton graduation, the Bill Clinton thing, that was the, they had uh, federal security people on top of the stadium. uh, (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it it was very, very tight, tight security. Uh, But it was a very, it was a great event, you know. The Jesse Jackson things were good, you know. And I used to really enjoy the concerts that they would have. Of course, I was younger than the concerts they would have here uh, and at the Bayou Classic. Uh, when the Bayou Classic first started in New Orleans down there, uh, 
the night before the classic, they would have, I mean, like the Isley Brothers, uh, War, those big groups, they would come in and uh, it just the place was packed. And uh, those concerts were really good. As a matter of fact, in 77, War uh, performed at the Bayou Classic concert. And after that Southern game, we all got on the plane and went to Japan. And War went with us. And they performed with the band in Japan. I mean, that was... <laughs> Can you talk a little bit more about the Japan trip? Maybe how, certainly how, maybe the students experienced it, how you experienced, or what, what all was going on with that Japan trip? Well, there were two that I was a part of. And they involved the football team. You know, it was the first, I think it was the first collegiate football game played in Japan. That it was in a, a, a baseball stadium that had been, you know, converted over to football. And that first, the 76 one, there were something like seven different parades we were in. And the band performed and everything. I mean, it was grueling. It was a heck of a deal. But the hotel we were in was called the Pacific Hotel. And it was a brand new hotel. It had 21 or 23 restaurants in it. So, I mean, it was high-end stuff. And you could tell the players really, really enjoyed it, <laughs> as did the band members. As we were getting ready to leave, a lot of times people would just hang around a little bit and really wouldn't get on the bus on time and stuff. This, When they were getting ready to leave, everybody was on the bus in a hurry, fast, because they knew, especially the band, Hutch would leave you in a minute if you weren't on that bus, and they didn't want to eat rice for the rest of their lives. Because <laughs> he had left some people in New York and California. A longtime leader of the, the band, Conrad Hutchinson, can you uh, maybe share a memory? That oh, yeah. Hutch was just great. He was brilliant, you know. Uh, he was always coming over, and, and uh, he liked photography, too, you know, and uh, he would a lot of times tell me, now, be sure and get this and get that and, and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, I, I traveled all over with the band. Uh, we would go to Dallas a lot for the Dallas Cowboys games because back then they would perform at the games. Yeah, he was, and in Hawaii, they did a special performance in Hawaii. It wasn't even part of the uh, football game. Uh, it was another day, and uh, they, they packed the stadium just for the band. He, he was the type that was, his whole life was devoted to the band. I mean, it, that was... That's how he lived. And I asked him one time, well, why aren't you over the music department? And he said, I don't want to be over the music department. <laughs> I want to be over the band. He was over bands in the Pacific Theater during World War II. So he had that military mind. And, I mean, they would have a list of things that they had to bring with them, toothbrush, toothpaste. I mean, every band member had that. And it was, it was something else the atmosphere like at a Bayou Classic maybe in the 70s, 80s? Oh, in the 70s. I'll never forget that. Well, the first one was really what had happened is 
we played Southern here. I can't remember if it was 71 or 72. We played them here. We had a stadium that held barely over 15,000. They estimated they had 30,000 people here. People were on the water towers, and they ran out of gas at some places in Ruston. So Collie Nicholson, he says, look, we got to take it out of here. We, you know, we're missing out on a lot of money. So 74, I think it was, or 73, he took it to Shreveport. And I think he called it the Bayou Classic then. I'm not for sure. I've got to look up some, some more stuff. Took it to Shreveport. They filled the stadium. I'll never forget. After that game, he says, you know, we got to move this thing again. <laughs> so that's how it wound up in New Orleans. Because before that, you know, Southern would have it down there, and then the next year we'd have it up here. But he moved it to New Orleans. And the first game was in Tulane Stadium, Sugar Bowl Stadium. And I, it holds 75, 76,000 sold out and Kylie told me after it was all over he says you know we sold close to 10,000 standing room only also <laughs> so and Doug Williams after the game they asked him his impression on it and he said he had never seen that many black people in one spot in his life <laughs> so it, it was it was something else coming back from New Orleans back to the Grambling area you know there's a lot of, of businesses that have been in in the village and a lot of sort of connectivity with the village and maybe um, you could speak a little bit about any places that you like to go any places you like to eat in the village the village is not the same village you know during during the 70s it was the place you went if you lived off campus and didn't go into the calf, or even a lot of times, even if you went into the calf, because the calf was not like it is now. Uh, when I first got here, the calf, the breakfast, you could get uh, eggs, grits, toast, but no bacon. It was, you know, it was limited. And so a lot of people would just eat in the, in the Alice's Cafe, Penny's Cafe, and they were great little places, you know. Uh, it was really a thriving village back then, and the collegiate shop was really doing well. Uh, Calvin Wilkerson, every time he would always travel with the football team, and every time he'd go up to New York, that's where he'd buy a lot of his uh, suits and stuff and bring them back down and sell them in the collegiate shop. I mean, it was a, a real busy place. But over the years, the campus, like we've, we've got that uh, fast food place. Was it Tiger? The Express. Tiger Express, you know. And now you've got a cafeteria that has buffet all the time. So the competition is fierce. What has motivated you to stay here? What's kept you here in, in Grambling all these years? I've just really enjoyed my stay here it's, it's just fun I've always enjoyed taking pictures writing articles you know building publications and stuff like that and I've always enjoyed being around students and you know uh, when I was doing the yearbook just 
working with the staff and stuff and see, seeing how students were getting into photography and all that type of stuff. It's always been fun. And, and going to all the games and stuff. A lot of fun. Well, Glenn, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today. It's been a real treat to hear about, about Grambling uh, over the years, and thank you so much for, for taking the time. Thank you. You've been listening to the Voices of Grambling, a digital oral history podcast, a production of the students and faculty of the Grambling State University History Department, along with faculty at the University of Arkansas. Be sure to listen in to one of our other episodes, and if you have a voice you would like to share or have a nomination for a voice that needs to be heard, please contact the History Department of Grayling State University for more information.